Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to our latest Outsport podcast. This is Ziggler with Jim Bazinski. It is April 16th, and I, it's crazy, April 16th. It is already, already, I mean, halfway through the spring, tax day is passed. Jim, uh, does it, is it just because I'm getting older that this year feels like it's flying by faster than the others? No, I was talking to Dave Copay yesterday. He thought, God, there's still five months to the NFL season starts. It's like an eternity. Oh, come on. <laughs> I know. You're right, it is. But, God, it's already – I mean, the draft is around the corner. Well, I think because Easter's so late this year. I mean, it's one of the latest Easter's, April 20th. Really, but I mean, do you do you do a big thing for Easter? I mean, is Easter that, that is it really a like? Are you, do you really mark the season? No, by I Easter? but everybody. I mean, you know, friends who are teachers are off the week before, and you know, it just it has that holiday feel, even though I don't celebrate it. But yeah, they do actually. They have done studies when you get older because you have more experiences each accumulative year. Time does seem to go faster than when you're a kid and don't have that many experiences. I'll see something and it'll say, oh, that happened just a few years ago. It was like 12 years ago. What? <laughs> 12 years ago? That's like, <laughs> right. You know, we thought, well, what did we start the gay bowl? And that was 2003, right? That's like 11 years ago already. It was 2002 was the first one. Was it 2002? Okay, well, anyway, that's 12 years ago. That's yeah. like, so, yeah, it's, uh, the, well, and, it's and the draft is, is, uh, is right around the corner. Well, you know what else is right around the corner, and, and I, I, I never thought I would be saying these words. By the way, if you want to call in and talk, we're going to be talking shortly about rooting for anti-gay athletes. The number is 347-945-7834. I'm heading to my first and probably last white party this weekend. At the at the age of 40, I'm going to my first circuit party. This weekend? No, next be. weekend. No, next weekend. You're right, you're right, you're right. It's usually Easter weekend, but it's not this weekend. I don't know what to expect. I don't actually. We're not even going to the white party. We're just we're going to a couple other parties and just lounging by the pool all weekend. But should be. Well, got your speed. You got your whatever your speedo or whatever your speed your, your equivalent. That must be de rigueur. Clothing right, for the exactly. white party. Well, there's a. <laughs> you know what's. I remember when I was younger, and 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 I would never be caught dead in a speedo. And I remember you would wear them. I'm like, why is he wearing a speedo? It's so weird. And but I very quickly I'm like, oh yeah, I love speedos. Like this, I, I prefer them now. I just feel they feel more comfortable. And people say, oh, they're, they're too tight. Not I, I, the baggy shorts feel so weird, like wet on my legs. I don't like them. Yeah, no, I've always liked speedos for that reason, and I thought it was a great. A uh, thing at the University of Massachusetts yesterday, they 1,500 people came out to support Derek Gordon, but also LGBT students on campus because Westboro Baptist Church had a small protest. And a group of straight guys wore Speedos because they said Speedos are gay and are showing their gay solidarity by wearing Speedos. I thought it was kind of a bizarre way to support the gay community. Well, 
Yeah, well, that's what you know. Speedos are gay, right? I mean, that's in America, they are. That's the people think in America they are. And even Not in, in Europe, Asia or in most Europe. parts of Europe. Yeah, but you go. I, I've been to beaches in Europe, and the the guys are wearing mostly board shorts of some sort. Well, that's a change. I mean, that is that's a shift from when it was not that way, and I think it's because of the whole idea that speedos have become so identified with gay culture. You even see it in yeah. these—they're not bodybuilding contests; they're these fitness contests, and the guys wear board shorts, which cover really? most of their legs, which is sort of like. Well, that's interesting. If you're judging someone on their whole body, you can't even see what their legs look like. But yeah, it's a, and I know that's the getaway from the guys in the tight bikini look, which is i.e. gay. So right. Well, again, the number is three four seven nine four five seven eight three four. Jim, last last Friday, I I noticed that Bubba Watson was leading the the Masters, and the first thing when I saw that that came into my head was. Jerk! I don't. I don't want that guy to win, and, and it was because of the stuff that he said when Jason Collins came out. Very, very specifically, that that being gay is a sin, and it, and it wasn't that that homosexual sex is a sin. It was that being gay is a sin, and I know you and I have gone back and forth on this a little bit, but you know, do, do you? I, I certainly, when I see that, I I don't want the person to do well. Do you have the same thing? Yeah, well, in that case, I did. I mean, I, I think we ours go back to when I was a Colts fan, and Tony Dungy was the Colts, and he had spoken out against gay marriage and raised money for anti-gay marriage groups. And my point was, being a sports fan is irrational, and I never felt rooting for an entire team because of one person's views was, to me, I didn't feel that, you know, I love watching the Colts players on the field. I didn't watch their coach, so the fact that their coach had certain views didn't make me stop like disliking the whole team. I feel differently about an individual sport because it, Bubba Watson is the team. And yeah. so I have no problem with anybody rooting for or against someone based on that, and I know I was rooting against someone I saw that, and I know a lot of other people were. I mean, Dave Copay said uh, – you know, he liked the whole Bubba shtick and everything, and then he heard the quotes, and it was like, you know, a-hole, I hope the guy loses. And Yeah, but I do think it's different when you're talking about a team because take the Colts. For all you know, they had gay players on the team then. And yeah. Dungy had said that he would, you know, coach a gay a gay player. So you kind of it's a little bit different. I kind of thought, well, if I do the political views of all the players on the teams I root for, it might be kind of skewed, you know, that – It'd be like, oh, that guy's a, you know, I think nine eleven. I think Pete Carroll apparently has some ideas that he's like a nine eleven truther. You know that it was a, it was a government conspiracy because he asked some general that, and you're going like, that's weird. <laughs> and my nephew yeah, is, had been in the Air Force. As soon as he heard that, so I'm, I'm, I'm rooting against Seahawks now because of that. So I think people often are looking for reasons to sort of root for or against teams, and I think that's one of them. Yeah, I think uh, Bubba Watson. I totally wanted him to lose. Well, well, of course, he ended up not losing. He ended up winning the Masters by three strokes, which was disappointing. But, yeah, well, I think, yeah, it is true. There's a difference between the team. Because when you're a fan of the team, you're a fan of the team, generally. I mean, if when you're a, you're a Colts fan, you're a Colts fan, no matter who comes in and out. And, frankly, I mean, you, you, you were a Colts fan from back in, in the day, but you were really a rabid Colts fan because 
your favorite athlete was on that team. And I, I, well, I, I was a Colts fan well, when I was six when they were in right. Baltimore, and my dad took me to him. I just I stopped rooting for them when they moved because I thought it was just crappy that the guy moved the team. But yeah, when Peyton came on, and then when Peyton went to the Broncos, I'm a Broncos fan now just because of him. Um, but that's a rare example, but in your case, you're a Patriots fan, and guys leave the Patriots and play for other teams. You don't necessarily stop liking the Patriots. Um, well, actually, so again, the number, if you want to call in and chat about uh, cheering for or against anti-gay athletes, is 347-945-7834. When the Patriots got rid of Drew Bledsoe, I was a was not a Patriots fan for a season because I just thought that the way they handled that was crappy. I didn't like it. Uh, and I really, really, really liked Drew Bledsoe. I liked his vibe. I thought that you know he played well for the team for many years, took him to a Super Bowl. And and so I, uh, I, I, I did not like the team because they got rid of him for a season. But then I became an even bigger Patriots fan than I ever had before. But I'd be curious to know if you're, so, you know, you were, I know you were a Colts fan way back in the day, but you were really a Colts fan because of Peyton. If Peyton Manning came out tomorrow and said, you know, all the stuff about gay marriage really bothers me, I don't think it's right. I don't think he would ever do this, but if he did, I don't think it's right. You know, I, I think homosexuality is a sin. It's very clear in the Bible, and we shouldn't be supporting it. What would that do to your fandom of Peyton? No, I, it would definitely change it. I mean, it's it's a, it's a theoretical. I can't imagine him ever being, right. say, these days, stupid enough to say something like that. <laughs> you know, that just given the current climate. But yeah, it would it would definitely affect it because he would be it would be directed at me. Um, it doesn't escape the fact. I mean, this goes to a different area where you know, back in the in the, the 1930s and 40s, where there were composers who were pro Hitler, and people wrestle with the idea that they love their music. And yet, how can you reconcile loving somebody's music when he's anti-Semitic? And it's been a big debate, you know, for people, you know, music. We're at the point where I think Wagner was first played in Israel just a couple of years ago. I mean, like, it was, music was banned in Israel for, or you know, people wouldn't bring people in to do a Wagner concert because of his anti-Semitic and pro-Nazi views. Uh, and yet people, wow. a lot of people just love his music. as they, you know, because, So I think Peyton, I could appreciate the athleticism, but I'd lose respect for him as a person. Uh, and it would definitely affect my fandom. I think the same would be with you if, you know, Bill Belichick probably starts spouting off. I mean, it's, again, hard to imagine he would ever say that, but what if somebody like that came out and said being gay is a sin? It be definitely would affect the way you think. It would matter unless it was Belichick, and then it wouldn't matter. because You have, <laughs> you have, you have to assume he hates everyone. And that's, that's part of his charm when he's coaching your team. Well, and it's interesting that when you're at the NFL owners' meetings that you found yourself saying to me, gee, I can see why you like the Broncos because the people you met from Denver all seem really good and they were great on the gay issue. Well, well, what was interesting is John Fox, I mean, look, he, he was clearly moved by the presentation that Wade Davis gave. And I think that this issue is something he hasn't given much thought about at all. And if 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 anything, he probably thought, oh, I don't know about a gay player on my team. I don't know if that's going to work. And, you know, somebody said that, that he mentioned to them at the meetings, at a, at a lunch or something, that he had recently watched Dallas Buyers Club and to really see this 
the struggle of this trans character and people with AIDS and just really understand a little, just a little glimpse of what the gay community went through. He said he just it opened his mind a little bit. So, so, so certainly, you know, I have, I had a lot of respect for Fox, who was just really eloquent, though. Watching just watching John Elway and and Wade said that Elway came up to him and said you know great presentation thanks for coming, but watching him walk around he is king shit like he <laughs> he thinks that he that he walks on water clearly the way he carries himself it is just his nose is up in the air his chest is puffed out. And it's it it he really you walk into a room and, and you just say that guy has an ego. And if you go back, kind of look, it's funny because NFL Film did that um, uh, football life, I think, on whatever it was, 83 drafts, Elway to Marino. And you could you could see it in him then, way back then, that that kid, that kid just, he felt that he was just better than everybody else. Well, but I think the, the Denver thing kind of saved them because when he got out of football, he was kind of lost. I think he had marriage crumbled and, you know, his whole reason for being had kind of evaporated and I think he was kind of miserable and then he got the Bronco job which a lot of people thought was a sop to you know let's bring it let's bring a name in and then he realized oh shit he actually he actually knows what he's doing as a football executive so yeah, yeah I think it's kind of like rekindled him and I think brought back a lot of that competitive you saw what they're doing in the off season. I mean it's this them and the Patriots are playing this game of who can trump the other guy you know we'll take Tlaib okay we got uh, Darrell Revis then we'll take uh, who's the, the Brandon Browner and he even said he loves it. He loves this idea of competing against New England. He thinks it's fun. Well, so and, I think, and they both know, have just about the same shelf life. Cause yeah, and so it's kind of like this idea that, yeah, I think he probably is that way. Uh, but I, it does affect, to me, when I know things about certain players or teams, it does have an effect on me. I think it's, you know, and a lot of times it's a way to way to find somebody who's in root against somebody. Well, it, it kind of brings into an, another story we wanted to talk about today. Again, the number, if you want to call in, is 347-945-7834, where Michael Sam might end up, kind of the flip side of it. And, and you know, talking about would you become the fan of – will you become the fan of the team that, that ends up drafting him? And the uh, Ravens insider wrote that he has information from six different teams who are interested in him. The Baltimore Ravens, Atlanta Falcons, the dreaded New England Patriots, Indianapolis Colts, Cleveland Browns, and the dreaded New York Jets. I mean, if 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 the New England Patriots draft Michael Sam, Jim, would you find yourself, do you think, wanting them to do well at some level? No. <laughs> I wanting him to do well, absolutely. <laughs> Not wanting them to do well. I hope he has 15 right. tackles yeah. a game and they still lose. I mean, everybody's happy. He gets named NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, and they miss the playoffs. Yeah, that'd be the ideal world. That's funny. If the Bronco, if the Broncos drafted him, I would want them to do to do better. The, or the, even the Ravens. I mean, the the Ravens have become one of my least favorite teams. And but a lot of it, lot too, of it could be very transitory. What if he's on the Ravens for two years and then they trade him or something? So it could be a you know a temporary rent a fan kind of thing. Uh, but I did love the stuff that Ozzie Newsom of the Ravens and John Harbaugh said about Sam. You know, that... and it was interesting. Brendan and I and Badejo said something I thought was interesting about Michael Sam and the Ravens. He said he thought he would fit perfectly well in the locker room, but didn't think he fit their defensive scheme. So he didn't think they would Wait, take him. Team? Not 
uh, the Ravens, who that I and okay. played for. He said he thought they, that he didn't fit the kind of defense they played. But yeah. in, in the locker room, he thinks there'd be no problem. So I think it's a big thing is, which I think a team is going to draft him is going to know what they're getting with the gay stuff. But I think it would be, does he fit the kind of defense they're trying to run and what he contributes? Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I've heard about the New York Giants, that, that maybe he doesn't, even though they're super gay-friendly, I mean, obviously Steve Tisch is great and John Mara and Pat Hanlon, and the, I mean, the whole team, just the whole franchise just gets it. But, you know, he just might, and God, the, the New York media would probably love him being in New York, but it just, you know, he just kind of doesn't fit their mold for that position. Like, it's not a good fit. Well, on the Jets or somebody that I think he would, if if the Jets draft him, I think Rex Ryan's a wonderful defensive coordinator. So I think that fit would be good. But then someone who covers the Jets told me that the Jets have to do such a terrible job with PR and the way they botch Tebow that even though he might fit in the locker room, they think they'd probably mishandle the entire media thing, and so it would wind up becoming a circus because they're the Jets. They almost can't help themselves. Well, I got so much. I've got. I still got. Just the other day, I got crap about saying that that I hope he doesn't end up with the Jets, and 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 I I walked that back a little bit because I do. You know, I've listened to you and other people who say, oh, he's got. You know, his former roommates on the team and Rex Ryan and his players coach, and so I do understand that there's probably benefits. But that is that's what worries. That's what worried me from the Jets about the Jets from day one that they just they just wouldn't handle it publicly well it's kind of like organizationally the problem more than the locker room that the locker room no problem organizationally like a mess that they would probably do all the wrong things all make all the wrong tone and yeah it'd be a circus so uh i thought some of the other teams were intriguing uh the colts uh i mean team like cleveland or indianapolis he's in the middle of the country they don't nearly as much level of kind of coverage uh, when Manti Tao went to the Chargers, I thought people thought it was a good fit because the Chargers are kind of ignored because they're in, you know yeah. tucked away in Southern California. Whereas going to a place like New York, well, Boston be fine because Belichick has that whole thing under control. But you know, a place like the Jets might be the worst spot just for the whole <laughs> idea that the dysfunctional Jets plus the New York media market. Well, the the, the Browns are interesting to me because I remember last last fall when I was in Cleveland and. And Chuck Booms, uh, you know, hooked me up with a couple of tickets to a Browns game, and I met uh, Sashi Brown, who's like their lead attorney. Could not have been more gay friendly, more wanting to understand, wanted to work with the gay games. And when I met Ray Farmer, who was the GM at the, uh, he's the GM of the Browns at the NFL owners meeting, again, like totally got it, totally open, like almost as though. I, I, I've almost gotten the feeling that these guys would love to embrace this. Like, they, they, I don't know if they'd see it as a, a challenge or, like, almost like they they would be looking for this opportunity, not not for marketing or any of that. Just like we want to prove ourselves with this. And and I just I just wonder if he's going to end up a Cleveland Brown. Well, I, you know, I, I they, they I think they have a lot of draft choices this year. And so if a team has in some ways extra draft choices because of past trades and stuff. Not so much that they would waste the pick, but you know, you could say, okay, we could afford to take another fifth. We have two fifth-round picks, for example. We'll take one on Michael Sam. Yeah. I can see a team doing that. I think the Patriots with Robert Kraft. I think he'd like to make that same kind of embrace the same thing. 
Um, I can see him doing that. Um, these other teams, I mean, a, a lot of it, you know, could be a football reason. Maybe in Atlanta he would fit the scheme they're trying to run. Um, Boy, the Browns have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten draft picks, seven of them in the first four rounds. Hmm. Yeah, and so you have a thing where it's not so much, you know, the Redskins have almost no draft picks as they trade everybody away. They're probably less likely to take that. If if you consider Sam being a bit of a reach and, or a project, which some people do, but a team like Cleveland might say, you know, we have we have the picks to afford to, to draft this guy. So. And he well, can be the grand marshal of the gay games in, in that case. <laughs> well, it's funny because they were talking to Sashi about – about that, about because I was hoping that they would have a preseason game during the during the the gay games, but the the Browns asked for no home preseason games the first two weeks because they're redoing their stadium. Oh. So I, I know I was like, oh god, that would have been amazing if like if if Sam was in a preseason game in Cleveland during the gay games, it would have been perfect. Uh, and well, <laughs> speaking of Cleveland. And the gay games that came out this week that some of the some of the taxi drivers in Cleveland are refusing to drive taxi cabs that have signs on them promoting the gay games. The gay games are going to be August ninth to sixteenth in, in Cleveland and Akron. And at, from one company, one company, and I guess there are three that operate out of the airport told one of the news stations that they've had at least 16 drivers, apparently mostly Muslim, walk off the job because they refuse to drive a cab that promotes anything gay. <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you make of that? It sounds so weird. Like, is it, 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 is it legal, meaning can they refuse that, or do they simply say we're not going to do any airport? Like, how are they... Well, I guess some of the companies have said, okay, adios, and some companies have reassigned guys. I mean, again, I don't know. I mean, I know in L.A., like the way they do the airport, you get the airport assigned once every once a week or twice a week or something. I don't. I, it sounds like in Cleveland there are companies that specifically handle the airport. And so I, I assume they could – I guess they can assign you either the airport duty or some other part of town. So some of the guys have been just kind of let go, I guess, and – what I don't understand is it's not like you're endorsing homosexuality. All you're doing is saying there's this event coming to town that, by the way, is going to bring, what, $10 million into the local economy. <laughs> and it's all people, all tourists that people need to get from one event to another. They're going to need cabs. I'm sorry, we don't want to drive you. It, it just, it's just really money. bizarre, yeah. I mean, it's like when you saw, I saw the number in the story, I was like, that's, that's like a high number of people refusing it. Well, give more vis- well, was, visibility to the gay games. Right, exactly. Well, it, it was 16 drivers just from one of the three companies, mm-hmm. and the other two companies said they had people refusing to drive. So and it was interesting because as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, geez, you know, some, some really religious Christians. No, it was, it's apparently mostly Muslims who are having a problem with it. I don't even know what to make of it. It just sounds in this day and age, just a, a bizarre thing to do. But um... Well, it's almost like, you know, it's we talk about, you know, whether you'd accept a gay teammate in the locker room, and, of course, a lot of the guys already have. They uh, they just don't know it. 
with the these drivers are they asking people if they're gay before they get into a taxi cab I mean it's just it's yeah what if, what if they drive weird. a cab that doesn't have a gay game sign on it but they pick up a bunch of gay games athletes right exactly <laughs> so they got to just stop halfway and drop them off on the highway yeah, well, I, I remember when I was driving home, when I was in Cleveland, I, I took a cab to back to the airport, and I mentioned that I was there for the gay games, and the driver was kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't agree with that. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. He said he doesn't agree with the gay games? <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it was, but it was essentially like, um, yeah, like I, I was I was there for the gay games or something. Like, oh, I was I, – I know what it was. I said I was a reporter and that I was there covering a meeting on the gay games. He said, oh, yeah, you know. I I don't I don't really agree with that, you know I don't know why I don't know why they need their own games or something like that. I have to look it up. I sent an email to somebody, but it was and it was just you know some random taxi cab driver with some random guy who said he was a reporter in the backseat, <laughs> having no problem. But again, you know what's interesting to me is this is one of the reasons I believe that the gay games picked Cleveland because of this to have an effect on the area. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't expect any trouble during, I didn't even think this would be an issue in 2014 anymore. Other than more, the issue would be nobody would know they were going on. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, I guess when you put them on the top of the taxi cabs, obviously the taxi cab drivers become very aware. But the games were spread uh, out among uh, Cleveland and Akron, right? Yeah, Exactly. And uh, by the way, we, I, we hope people do go to the gay games. Jim, Jim and I will both be there. Jim, have you decided if you're going to compete in anything? <laughs> no, not this time. I'm going to go to spend decided. more. I mean, it, it just I did the I did flag football the last three times it was in the gay games, and I'm I've retired from that aspect. Yeah, it's it's uh, well. It's great about the gay games is you can always compete. You can always go into track and field or something and and compete against people in your your age group. Um, but I I just haven't decided if I'll go run a race or play football or. I wish football had an age group. That would that would that would be fun actually. Well, yeah, if they had a B, you know, like a B group or something like that, they do in the gay in the gay bowl. That could be a lot of fun. But just an open division, well, it's do. like that's. It's still too much trouble. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna rest on my laurels uh, from the last time. Yeah. Uh, I guess kind of the the last story. Let's just kind of chat about is the Arizona swimmer Lauren Elizabeth. How do you say her last name? I think it's I think it's Nidig. Nidig Nita. Well, anyhow, she swims for Arizona. How did she? How did she track us down? And I know that you worked. Hard in the story, which is, it's, and it's a great story. How how did she track us down and and uh, just kind of tell everybody she about just the story. been reading all the other coming out stories and wrote the two of us and said, in essence, raised her hand and say, hey, I want to share my story. Um, and we don't hear as many out stories from women that just you know a lot of them have an, a comfort zone already, but. You know, she wanted to stand up and be counted, and I thought she did a terrific job of, kind of, again, talking about the same things as universal man or woman, the, the fear she had. She was swimming for another school and in other meets and would hear a lot of homophobic stuff and thought, well, these people aren't going to like me to find out I'm me. 
And so she transferred and found University of Arizona incredibly supportive and accepting and, um, you know, has, has you know, she's out there and she's been out the whole season. So uh, we often think that, oh, women have it easier or some ways, but a lot of them have the same struggles as the guys do. It, what kind of stuff, I mean, we, we know what we hear from the guys, you know, fag and sissy and that's so gay. What did she hear that was homophobic from other I think it was the same kind of stuff just around the pool or people talking, both men and women, because at these meets you're mingling with both sexes. And she, every time she would try to maybe be a little more authentic, she would hear someone making something, an anti-gay comment, and was like, oh, they find out who I am. They're not going to accept me. A lot of it was her own internal thing. They're not going to accept me. And after mm-hmm. she came out, she got a great letter from a, a swimmer, a male swimmer in Florida who talked all about his support for it. He even used the LGBTQ community. I'm like, he used all the right acronyms, and it couldn't have been more supportive, and the same thing from her teammates. But, again, it's the same fears, and then she says it, and then it's like everybody says, okay, we're fine. What's the big deal? So, um, you know, even in a sport like swimming, which is very gay-friendly, and we hear a lot, there are a lot of open swimmers that just aren't publicly out, uh, but you know, even 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 you know, she felt that same the same fears, and then all of a sudden the fears dissipate as soon as they come out. Well, yeah, it happens every. It happened with Derek Gordon. Happens every time. Just, there's just such a disconnect between the the banter that you hear, and and for women, I know talking to um, Jordan Sayers, who was a, a a female soccer player for Columbia, <clears throat> Columbia University or University Columbia University. She said that that whereas gay men use, I mean, whereas straight male athletes use the gay thing to make someone sound, diminish them because they're weak, right? So if you're a fag, you're weak, you can't catch. Straight women use the dyke thing to marginalize women who are good. So, oh, you know... We lost to them because they're just a bunch of dykes, right? Because they're stronger than they're just automatically stronger than we are because they're dykes, and uh-huh. that's why they have an unfair advantage. And I thought that was fascinating. So I was wondering if, if if she had said kind of that same thing. She did not have any mentions about that, but it just it, but again, it could be that she had the same thing a lot of other athletes have. They hear they they'll hear one person say, "Oh, that's gay," and all of a sudden it's like. Because they're closeted, they think, oh, my God, they're talking about me, and their antenna goes up. And to the, I get you, these athletes, it's like, I didn't mean anything by it. Or that's, just the, that's just the language I use. I wasn't even thinking. Yeah. You know, the stuff they would just send matter-of-factly, not knowing that someone else on their radar, it was like pinging very big, like, oh, my God, you know, they're going to find out who I am. Uh, but she's in Arizona, and she's totally happy, and she said she wants to get involved and help more other athletes come out and, so her story's up on Outsports, and it's it's a really good read if you uh, want to check it out. Yeah, it's great, and, and and a lot of times it's interesting, kind of a little insider on Outsports. Um, you know, a lot of times the, the the stories that we write about women don't get read as much, and I think it's in part because most of our readership, I think our readership is the demographics, it's about sixty percent men, forty percent women. Um, but you know, for whatever reason, the, the stories about women don't get read as much. This one got read a lot. It was our top story for two straight days, and it. Uh, yeah, I, I think in part because she's it, the story's really good. She wrote it really well, and, and you did a great job editing it. 
Yeah, and I do think that I think a lot of it is that assumption. Oh, a, a lesbian female athlete. Oh, you know what a surprise, and they just assume. But then they have to read, you know, read something like that and say, okay, she had the same struggles that the men have. It's almost like if you can, you know, if she was Larry instead of Lauren, it would have been the same story. I mean, it was, you know, there was nothing particularly unique about her sex in that story. It was simply that it was a universal coming out story. So I think that's why it resonated with people also. Plus, it was yeah. a first person, and we haven't had a lot of, you know, women write first person stories. At least for us, they've done it for other websites, uh, but. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad it got I'm glad it got attention because sometimes the women, the female stories get kind of a little bit ignored. Like when Brittany Griner came out, it was a brief flurry, but nothing like Jason Collins. And when you compare their relative position in their sports, I mean, there's no contest that Brittany's a superstar yeah. and Jason wasn't. But he got all the attention. Well, it's because Jason was number one and Brittany was number fifteen. That is, I mean, yeah, athletes yeah. to come out in their in their pro sports. Uh, any any final thoughts, Jim? And we. Big weekend plans? You got a flag football game? Flag football, last week of the regular season. Exciting. Well, Jim and I might be meeting in round one of the playoffs, even though you won't even be here. You'll be in the snow in Iowa. Gone. I thought that we have a bye week that week, so I went out of town, and now (laughs) it's the first week of the playoffs. So, All right, well, that's all the time we have this week. We will check back with you next week.